0: How are you, Ben?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing, Patrick?
0: I'm great. We are. We're actually. I didn't. We just recorded with Heather for a little bit. I think this episode will come out after. So I'll say to say this. We're in a really strange room for us normally. Uh We're still in the phase. still in the transition. We're out of, out
1: of the old one, but not into the new one. Yet. And
0: uh, over the Comtrain offices, I f- saw the uh, found the office with all your books. <laughs> Oh yes. Which
1: have not been rec-
0: way more like it looks like you have way more books than when it looked when there was all Isn't that. It's crazy how many nuts, books are there They're just spread out on tables and the floor and yes. in boxes and it's crazy. Yeah, when you took them off the shelves it's like Jesus, it's a lot of books.
1: Okay. So showed how efficient those shelves were.
0: That's right. I know. So we're going to have to get that set up uh, some version of that set up back.
1: So Actually the thought process with that is I'm going to create a library for comp, the comp train awesome. employees that they can just take, it, beg, take borrow, bag bag steel. Yeah.
0: Love it. Okay, cool. This week we have a two-minute drill. Two-minute drill is when I go through my Instagram DMs and I collect all the very good questions that you fine listeners have sent us, uh, and I organize them and we try to get uh, 10 to 15 somewhere in that range done. Uh, the caveat being trying to answer each one of them inside of a two minutes, which sometimes we are successful and sometimes not. We are—I think we've got like 13 or 14. So let's see if we can let's see if we can get all get them all done today. Ready? Ready. All right. First question we've got. You've touched on making sure your ladder is leaning against the right wall. I'm struggling to find what that is for myself. I'm opening a new resort hotel for my company as an assistant GM with a great salary. I do what I love going to the gym daily and also have a beautiful daughter, yet I still do not feel fulfilled. I'm constantly bouncing between wanting to compete in CrossFit, but I'm hesitant that this is not what will make me feel what I'm looking for.
1: Okay. So in terms of Sounds like they have a pretty good life. Yeah. Opening a resort hotel, beautiful yeah. daughter. In terms of leaning your ladder up against the right wall, in terms of a career perspective, we want to take three considerations into place. And when these three things overlap, we know we're barking up the right tree. It might, that might change. The ladder might change halfway up and that's okay, but it's a worthwhile pursuit. Mm-hmm. This is how you vet opportunities at, or p- potential changes. That is, is there an opportunity to make money in this? Mm-hmm. Like you, it, if you are really passionate about being an ant farmer, I don't know if that's the right place for you to put all of your marbles, energy, and effort because mm-hmm. I don't know how much the world needs an ant farmer. Mm-hmm. So that's the first one. Is there economic return? The next one, is it something that you are passionate about and you enjoy? And the third is something that you have talent for. Mm-hmm. If those three things overlap, it's a thing that we should keep on the table as a potential pursuit. So for this individual, it sounds—I'm going to assume that they're really good at what they do. Yep. So, being a GM of a resort, there's certainly economic potential there. Um, it sounds like it's a—it's a matter of do you enjoy it? Yep. Which it's—it sounds like yes, they yes. just said, yep. "I enjoy what I'm doing." Yep. Okay. Then I do what I love. Yep. Then from there, you're kind of playing with house money at that point. Mm -hmm. And if you want to make a spin to another direction, just put that other thing up against the table. CrossFit athlete, do you enjoy doing it? Yes, maybe even more so than um, being a a resort GM. Okay, is there, um, do I have talent in this? I can't answer that for this person. Mm -hmm. They have to navigate for themselves. And then is there a potential economic return that's worthwhile? That again is dependent on their, it's, purely dependent on skill set in this because there is only a very small handful of athletes in the entire world that make a living doing this. And think about how like elite being a army ranger is or being a Navy SEAL is. Well, there's thousands of those. There's only dozens of CrossFit Games athletes. Yeah. Like the, the, the list of people that actually make a living doing this is so exclusive. I'm not saying don't do it. What I'm saying is put all the the cards on the table before you make those decisions. And then also just recognize, are you a person that thinks that the grass is always greener? Mm-hmm. The grass is not always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Mm-hmm. Are you just in constant search instead of actually being appreciative and grateful for where you are?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna kill the two-minute drill already. Because I'm gonna ask you a follow-up question, which is this idea of of uh, th- th- what's in here is kind of this this early. It's uh, this kind of seeking of fulfillment. Like this is like, could I be more fulfilled? Yes. If I did something else, that question is ever, can, can be ever present. There's always the idea that I could be more fulfilled. Do you have any or do you have any advice, or any thoughts on? I don't know if it's like how to know you're fulfilled enough or yeah. how do you know it? Like you just said, like, are you constantly looking for something else? Cause you convinced yourself that something else might be better than this.
1: Yeah. So I answered it with kind of mechanistically and very much in line with uh, the, the pursuit of a career, but this idea of this constant striving for more that may never go away. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Mm -hmm. Like we want that. That's what as human beings, that's what makes us kind of special is that we're constantly in search of the next thing. Now you just need to kind of recognize through your own filter system of what's the motivations behind that. Is it because we believe that more is more, which we do as human beings, that's built into our human biology and DNA that more is better. Cause if you have an acre of land, you have more chance of surviving than if you have a small plot. If you have, A whole. If you own a whole city, your chances of survival are much better than if you have an acre of land. So, more from a survival standpoint has always been better. If you had provisions for one week, having provisions for a month was better, and having provisions for the entire winter, more is better. But understand where, where, when is enough enough from that perspective and when should we be looking at the abundance we already have Mm. and the enjoyment that is already at our feet that we're bypassing because we're in search of something that's already right in front of us it's kind of like um um looking for something uh you know you're looking at a beautiful landscape but you're staring at your feet like mm-hmm. all you have to do is pull your head or your phone or yeah your- <laughs> <Well done. laughs> hold yeah totally
0: okay this next question is similar uh but I'm curious where where the answer might be different what do you consider the difference between giving up and realizing something isn't meant for you i'm currently in a graduate program and about to begin my second year i've realized during the last year that i'm not sure that uh, that i want the career that the is the end result of this chosen program. I had a great job before that I loved, excelled at, made a difference in, and that pushed me to be better. My mentors highly recommended pursuing grad school for another career that usually builds on the previous one. I'm not, it's not that it's hard, I'm just not sure it's for me and I've never quit anything before
1: this is I love this question because this is the exact example of not listening to what sets your heart on fire you're listening to what other people think you should do other people think that the next zero on the paycheck is what's going to make you happy they think that the next extra initials after your name on your business card is what's they're always going to push you towards things that they think are of value they don't know you and what you find of value you just said like you excelled in your last position you were happy you loved it. It was ex- you quitting is not quitting grad mm-hmm. school. It's the opposite. You're elevate. You're doing exactly what- now. This is also isn't a bad thing because you had this experience. Yep. And now you go back to this one, you go, listen, I know what's on the other side. And the other side's not for me. Yeah. This is what I am. This is where I live. This is where I thrive. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of times we need to go down the wrong road to realize how wrong it is I speak to make from experience. A, same same with me. Yeah. To, to make it make you really clear on, oh, got it. Now I know how both of these things feel. And it becomes
1: easier to say. It would be the same thing as somebody that went to um, a really, really, went to Ohio State, right? Went to a really big school or went to a school in New York City. And they go, listen, I thought this is what I wanted. I actually don't love the city. I actually mm-hmm. don't love a big school. I think I like a little liberal arts school in the mountains of Montana. Like, Okay. The fact that you figured that out is such a bonus and a boon. That's amazing. Don't fault yourself. Whatever. It's not quitting. Yeah, I think yeah. It's not even a pivot. It's a steer in the right direction. Yeah, love that.
0: Next question. I am a third-year MD student. After finishing uh, in the 50th percentile in the 2021 Open, I set uh, the goal to make quarterfinals in two years. This year, I was 20. I was in the 25th percentile. After just a few weeks as a third-year student, though, it's clear that I'm not going to be able to devote the time necessary to get to my goal. I'm currently working about 70 hours a week and need to study another two, one or two hours a day in addition. My question wow. is, yeah, how do I make fitness a prior- priority when I have such a difficult mandatory schedule? After my shifts, I'm often tired and unmotivated. I can't work out prior to work, uh, prior to work because I get to the hospital around 5.15. I considered upping my caffeine intake with some <laughs> afternoon pre-workout but I don't feel that is sustainable.
1: Yeah. So there's, a, there's a lot going on in that. No, well, he, they answered it. More pre-workout. More pre-workout. <laughs> more pre-workout. That was, solves everything. Solves everything. <laughs> World peace, like everything. Uh, so yes, the answer to this is y- you can do one thing at a, ver- at a world-class level, mm. like win the CrossFit Games, be on the podium of the CrossFit Games. It's very difficult to do... Two things, very, very good, but you can. It's almost impossible to do three things at a world-class level. You just can't do that. If you're going to be working ten hours, sorry, 70 hours a week and then studying another 14, that's an 84-hour work week, and you want, the answer is you can't. Yeah. You can't. Something's got to give. So either you have to curtail the goal, and the goal now from a fitness perspective is, to get to the gym every day. If you, if this person gets to the gym every day, that's a win, yeah. a massive, massive win. And I would make it a priority, especially for someone like this that assigns so much value and meaning to health and performance. Mm-hmm. But to you say like the pass fail for me internally in my goal is going to be the top ten percent in my division. That's what quarters is. Mm-hmm. Is probably an unrealistic expectation, and you're setting yourself up for failure or um, a crash and burn and or stealing from somewhere else, meaning I'm going to supplement this with a stimulant. Yeah, I'm
0: going to sleep an hour less. I'm going to... That's again.
1: not the long term. It could be the short term answer. You couldn't, And maybe it could be a short term answer to the point of this year. Yep. That could happen. You could get away with it probably a year's a long time, but mm-hmm. um, we're now in june and the open is in february or march so that's a long time to ride stimulants yeah Yeah. so the answer is something's got to give and it's probably if you're dedicated to the 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 academic route um it's going to be the expectation of what your performance can be in the crossfit Mm -hmm. space
0: do you think part of the the tension here in this question is the definition of what fitness is in one realm which is quite high level and, okay, well, I can't do that. And now I have to kind of redefine what fitness means so that it's attainable in my current situation. That's kind of the tension. That I, I, I think it's more
1: similar to what fitness is. It's more to what success is for this sure. person. And they're like saying, I'm 50%. Now I'm the 25th percent and I'm striving to be the 10th percent. This person is a little more type A than um, what is fitness. They're going like, how do I define success for myself? And we just need to step away from maybe you don't compete in the open this year. Yep. And you let that go, and the goal is to get to the gym six days a week. And it's okay. It's almost like having a season pass skiing. It's okay if you only take two runs that day because mm-hmm. you got on the mountain. Okay. The goal is to get outside.
0: Love that. Okay. Next question Why doesn't CrossFit include bench press in a lot of workouts? Is the replacement of the overhead press just a way to separate CrossFit from powerlifting?
1: This is a two minute drill question. This is this. There we go, finally. <laughs> but I'm wasting my time by talking about this. Because you things. know you can do it in a
0: minute and a half. That's a beautiful. <laughs>
1: It is not a way to just differentiate from power lifting. The reason for it is the functional movement aspect of the two movements. So we do a fair amount of horizontal pressing, mm-hmm. which is the bench press. We choose to do it through a push-up mm-hmm. because a push-up is a more functional movement pattern, bear with me, than a bench press. See, this is where it gets away from two minutes. <laughs> but the reason being is you are more likely functional see it in real life, have to push yourself up off the floor. Then you're going to have to do the reverse, which is lie on your back and push something off of you. The other part of that is when you flip yourself over, your midline is out in space and your toes are on the ground, meaning your midline is now active. There's midline stability involved. I realize that there's midline engagement in a bench press, particularly if you're skilled at it Mm. driving through the feet and involving the core the lats and the whole deal. But it is not the same as a plank which is what a push-up is. Mm -hmm. Every push-up is a plank. Not every plank is a push-up. So the third part of that is the next more of those two functional movement patterns is pressing something above your head. Mm -hmm. It takes greater range of motion. It takes more core stability than either of those two. And that's why we layer more into the overhead movements. There is bench press in CrossFit. It doesn't show up as much as the other two, but it's the point where it showed up even most recently in the master's Um, semi-final event where they would had to do 60 bench press Mm. at 185 combined with 3,500 meters of rowing. So it is a part of the test. It's just not a big test.
0: Next question. I'm a competitive CrossFitter, but am more oriented in the direction of career and family planning now, still doing and loving CrossFit. My boyfriend started CrossFit later than me and wants to spend three or more hours in the box every day, but has no intentions in doing competitions. Any idea how I can convince him that training less Uh, training less long is not less effective for life and skipping a training once in a while does not mean so much.
1: I love the term less long. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I, I'm less tall than, than some people. I'm
0: not short. I'm just less tall.
1: (laughs) I'm less Uh, smart than most people. Okay. So this is, so this is where we, um, the answer to this is layered in a form of judgment. Mm Mm-hmm. And what this person is saying is, I've been down this path. I did this. I did what you're doing. Now I'm here. And this is what I believe. This is now my value set. Now I think that we should be training one hour a day, not three hours a day. And because this person has no aspirations to go to the competitive side, what they're doing is wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. I could make an equal argument that that's not the case. That what this person is doing is perfectly, perfectly in line with health, longevity, fulfillment. But I could also make the argument other like what we, what we need to know is why does this individual want to spend three hours in a day? And maybe it has nothing to do with the actual physiological responses. Maybe this is where they just find the most peace in their day. This is the combination of them meditating, journeying, journaling, finding quiet time, introspection, their yoga, which they do through their 45-minute warm-ups. <laughs> and what they're doing is not they're doing exactly what they should be doing for where they are in the journey. Yep. And for you to come in and say, listen, for you to get to where you want to go, you should only be here for an hour and five minutes, door in, door out. Yep may or may not be correct but yeah. the only way we're going to know that is if we truly understand that person at a level that's beyond what i can get to in this environment right. so my suggestion is before this person turns to their spouse and says listen this is why we don't need to be in the gym for so long is listen to them yeah completely info completely and over a long period of time, like listen and listen. Why do you like being in the gym so much? I think it's so fascinating that you love being in the gym so much and I truly support you so there's no judgment laid on. It's so cool that you found the same passion. We share the same passion. Um, what do you find value in being in the gym? And listen to them. Yeah. And through that over a six day, six week, six month period, then you can formulate the true understanding of what their motives are and whether they're in line with their pursuits.
0: Yeah, as somebody who back in the day, I I would spend two, two hours easy, if not a little bit more in the middle of the day in the gym, And it didn't make any sense because I wasn't competing. Like I, I loved the sport and it was kind of part of what CrossFit was in those days, but it wasn't like, I didn't have that aspiration. But the truth was, it was because the people I got to spend the two and two or three hours with, which I think is often the case.
1: And even if that person's in their garage gym solo, you don't know what totally. kind of... Yeah. What is it that... What's, what, what itch is that scratching? Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's such a good point. Because um, to me, it was... I mean, it was about the fitness, but it was more... Like, I don't go out to bars. I don't go out to... Like, this was where I could replace that. couple hours a day, couple, you know, three or four or five days a week. Those were my people. And I right. could spend it with them. And yeah, it didn't make sense on a fitness level.
1: I wasn't getting... It might not make sense on a lot of different yeah. levels. So, like, I the person maybe... Um, is training super hard like they are going to the games and they're not talking to anybody. And then they, you go yeah. like, whoa, yeah. this doesn't line up at all. They're going for longevity. You go, and you, with enough in conversation, you realize that this is what's keeping them sane. Exactly. That without this, they would turn to something much worse. Yep. Yep.
0: Love that. Next question. Ben has his athletes focus on different situations that can go wrong during competition to make sure that when those situations do show up, uh, his athletes know how to respond. But in terms of the law of attraction, thinking and visualizing things that can go potentially, uh, that can potentially go wrong will actually increase the case of that happening. Doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Huh. I love that. Doesn't, doesn't it at the end. please? Yeah. Um, This is, it's a good question because yes, they're correct. If you visualize failure over and over again, you're more likely to fail. Mm -hmm. If you visualize um, uh, troubles, problems, adversities, you're more likely to do that. But let's take the alternative of pretending that none of those things happen. And let's imagine we're training a bunch of Navy SEALs and we just go, I just want you to visualize the perfect mission, Mm -hmm. the perfect mission, visualize it, which is what, by the way, they do and our athletes do. Mm -hmm. I just want you to visualize this. And they, when they're going to get Osama Bin Laden, the very first thing that happens is the helicopter crashes Mm -hmm. and they don't have any other plan, any other, not only do the Navy SEALs talk about it not only do they visualize it they practice it they actually put themselves through the motions of this is going to go wrong and this is what we're going to do that's the reason to have optionality and not get thrown into chaos Win the inevitable because it's going to happen it's going to go wrong now what we don't want them to do is to the leading up to this is days and weeks and months away from the event. Mm -hmm. And then as we get closer and closer to the event, then you visualize it going exactly what you want to. Then you're pulling in the law of attraction. And for the last, you decide, six hours, six days, six weeks, you've done nothing but rehearse exactly the way you want this thing to go. That's the law of attraction. That's what we're pulling in. But we don't want to pretend that the other's alternative is not a possibility. Mm We just went through the semifinals and um, Cole Sager and Sid. Sid was like, "I'm just finally g- Sydney." Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, "I'm just so glad that every night when I go to bed now, I don't have to just visualize the perfect way that <laughs> that that the, she wanted two twenty five. She's like, "I have visualized two twenty five going up every single so like the six reps of the three cleans, the two squats, and the one jerk." She's like, "I visualized that three twenty five every single night for like twenty minutes. Every I'm so glad that that's over." Because what this person's right. The law of attraction, what you think about will manifest. But we also don't want just to like pretend mm-hmm. and not be ready for what happens, Sid, which we talked about. What happens if you miss your first bar? Yep. Okay. If you miss your first bar, what's the next lift? If you miss your second lift, what's the next lift? If you lift your third, it's over. Right. So
0: right. got it. Next question. My fiance and I have been doing CrossFit for four and eight years respectively on days where we have to build to a one RM followed by one max set of 80% of that one RM. I tend to hit around three to five reps across all movements, whereas my fiance hits 10 to 12 reps. Mm-hmm. What do those different ranges of 80% mean? And what areas of training should we be focusing on in future cycles?
1: Okay. So I'll paraphrase yeah, this. And maybe yeah. Yeah. To- <laughs> yeah. Because without somebody listening to that in the car, they're yeah. going to have no idea what you just said. The question is, um, when I work at 80%, I can only get three to five reps. My training partner, when they work at 80% can get 10 to 15 reps. This is the difference between, um, Katrin David's daughter when I worked with her and like a power lifter. So Katrin can do like huge amounts of reps just a few percentage points away from her max, whereas powerlifters without the same strength endurance, that's what's called. They asked like, what does this mean? Yep. It's a strength endurance thing, not endurance. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is not 5k running. This is strength endurance. At the upper percentages of your potential strength, how much endurance do you have? Mm-hmm. And there's pros and cons to it. The the pros if you if you're the person that can do a lot of reps, you know, relatively wise, at uh, a certain percentage, that means that you have good endurance. What it also means is you're gonna have a harder time um, moving your one rep max up. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other more pure athletes, maybe let's put some let's put some hard numbers. This yep. two athletes back squat three hundred pounds. Yep. One athlete when you go to um 275 can do 3 to 5 reps. The other athlete can do 9 or 10. Yep. Okay, extreme examples to color this. The athlete that can do the 9 or 10, cool, they're probably going to do pretty well in most CrossFit events. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, they're not going to have the same max power relative to their ability and they're having a harder time moving up their one reps mm-hmm. whereas the other athlete is going to have a harder time in crossfit and Metcons and cycling barbells and playing with that but they're more in that power domain and they'll have a better response to some heavy heavy training Got it. going forward what should they do yep lean the opposite ways in our sport the athletes that can do move toward the weakness yeah the athletes that can do the bunch of reps play closer to 90 percent and the athletes that can't um, do as much play more with the endurance play.
0: Uh, how competitive do you think someone who is an ectomorph with bad genetics for, genetics for gaining strength and muscle can get? Uh, do you think it's possible to make it to quarterfinals or be competitive in local competitions? And if so, what would somebody with that body type have to do? And I had to look it up. Yeah, ectomorph so this person is just
1: yeah, so, tall and, or thin at least, tall and There's 10. three different body types. There's ectomorphs, which is basically tall and skinny. Yep. There's um uh, endomorphs, which are stocky and shorter, and there's Mesomorphs, which is the happy medium, which is all the CrossFit games athletes. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say all, and that's part of the answer to this yeah. question. You're looking at excuses. Period. There are ectomorphs in semi at, 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 hes still going to get a quarterfinals or she? I make it a quarterfinals? Yeah, there are athletes at semifinals, and there's athletes at the CrossFit games. There's been athletes on the podium of the CrossFit games. Brent Fikowski, you want to talk about tall, skinny rail. Like he's 6'2", and he was, when he first started doing CrossFit, it was 6'2", 170 pounds. You could count his ribs better than you can count his teeth. <laughs> it's like the guy was, and he worked so hard. So what is the answer? The answer is the same as it always is. Work harder, work smarter. Mm-hmm. It's not about genetics. Yes, it is. Okay, cards your dealt. Now, what are you focusing on? It's about the training you want to do with that. But is it possible to make it a quarterfinals? Yes, and there's hundreds of people that are taller and skinnier than you that made it to quarterfinals
0: what are some helpful phrases other than good job keep it up good pace etc to use when coaching a longer metcon
1: man this is a um uh, i don't know why they caveat it with a longer metcon
0: i imagine cuz like you can do that once or twice but like Okay, it's fifteen minutes in, twenty minutes in. I've, okay, I've got the I've got the same. Maybe thing. I hear
1: that with like mono structural because like okay, mm-hmm. because it, if it's a longer that's Mec- true. If it's just like a if it's a longer metcon yep. and there's um and there's any, thrusters exactly. In it, any, like you any talked favorite. about like yep. the mechanics of the thruster. If there's rowing in it, this is the job of the coach. It's multifaceted. There's about five different things, and one of the ones is going to highlight this. So the job of the coach is to. Um, have presence and attitude to educate, entertain, and inspire the groups, right? Like you're present to make it exciting for them. The next is to demo movements, show them what it is. Next is to teach them like this is what a front rack looks like. The reason we keep it up here is because X, Y, and Z. The next is managing groups to make sure the group flows really well. And the next is just to build relationships. The last one is called seeing and correcting. What this coach is saying is... I don't see and correct, mm-hmm. how else should I cheer people on? Mm-hmm. They want to be a cheerleader, and in longer workouts, say run out of things to say like, good job, good pace. Yeah. But in regardless of the length of the workout, there's always a movement pattern that could be refined, improved, or completely overhauled. Mm-hmm. There is also, instead of saying good pace, do you know what the pace of the athlete is? If it's a rowing workout and they're doing 10 rounds of 200 meters, what do they row in the first 200? Were they rowing at a 148 and now they're at a 202? Mm -hmm. Well, we can have a conversation about that if they're trying to, so it's getting way more specific instead of looking macro view at everybody. In that case, you just go, good job, Sally. Good pace, Bill. You're killing it, Betsy. You go. Betsy, get back on your heels. Bill, elbows up. Sally, you're rowing a 202. Let me see you bring that down to a 158. Awesome. You got off the rower in, and this is this is literally how we coach classes Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. It's not good pace. It's what is that pace going on? Create the race between two athletes. She's at 55 calories. You're at 54. Catcher, loser takes the other one out for coffee. (laughs) Like, get make it. There's way, way, way more beyond the the cheerleader.
0: Uh, does your tone affect whether you're complaining or just stating a fact, for example, woo, it's really hot out, and then smiling or laughing about it. Is that still complaining?
1: Yeah, no, tonality matters a lot. Yeah. Yeah, no, it actually um tonality is it's the reason they say communication um is 80% not the words you say, but how you say them in your body language. That's the reason why. out. So the answer to this question is yes. We talk about all the time, but like if you complain about the weather, you're mm-hmm. but that's so different of Let's just do it. Oh, whoa! <laughs> it's so hot out here. Versus, whoa! It's so hot out here. Mm-hmm. Like, one is excitement, and it's it's just bring. Yes, tone. The short answer to this, keeping the two minute drill. Tonality matters massively, and you can say facts with the right tonality that isn't complaining. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you talk to your youngest kids about character, hard work, basically all the things that go into making uh, a champion? If so, how do they make it, or how do you make it on their level and not sound like a broken record? I have uh, kids aged eight, six, and four, and I try to talk with them about these things.
1: I um, I I like to think of it in terms of like, what do you celebrate? Mm-hmm. And... If after a your kid's soccer game, um, you're excited because they won, or you're excited because they scored a goal, that's what they're going to think is important. Yeah. And if instead, so an example is, um, Bodie's playing soccer. He's ten years old. Just recently, um, his team was undefeated until the last game, um, and one of those games they were down by two goals in the first half Mm -hmm. and they came back to tie it. And what we talked about was how awesome it was, how they didn't get down and they worked hard and they, it was how they responded. It was the character about it. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about the character traits of a champion, that's what we need to talk about. And that's what we need to highlight. What we don't want to talk about is wow, um, Billy on your team is so good. He Mm -hmm. scores so many goals. That's not, then they think that's what's important and they're going to chase the skills. If we're trying to, if the question is about, I think it was about the character traits of a champion, that's what we need to have conversations about. It's just that it's not a matter of being a broken record. It's a broken record. If it's abstract, Mm -hmm. if you're just like when the kids waking up in the morning, you go, Okay, we're gonna think like a champion today. And they go, Yes, dad. And they go, tell me what I think like a champion is. And you're like, it's being positive, Dad. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, go get him, do it for the Gipper, you know, and like send him <laughs> off to school. Yep. That's artificial. Yep. That's not real. Yeah. But if you talk about how it showed up in the soccer game that you're driving away from and you're highlighting the things that you believe are the character traits of a champion that resonates that's mm-hmm. real and they go that's what dad pays attention to mm-hmm. that's what i want to be a part of and if you highlight the negatives as well see when that goal was scored and johnny who was the goalie threw a tantrum mm-hmm. what do you think about that they go well he just he's and you have a conversation about what it looks like from a negative and what it looks like from a positive
0: Love that. how can you build <clears throat> how can you build a team or a business with a good environment from scratch, do you choose people or do, do you let people choose you? You choose them according to your values, but how do you know their values if you don't know them well?
1: It's a challenge. Yeah. And you, the, the answer is A, you always choose people. You don't let them choose you. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're going to do, it's the same way as like choosing a spouse. It's choosing people to hang out with on the golf course. It's you're going to take your best stab at vetting them through a process that you feel like is um worthy, that you feel is effective, that you feel will get you to where you want to go. And you continue and then from there you learn along the way in terms of how these people truly are. Mm-hmm. So if we were trying to get a bunch of golf buddies, mm-hmm. we're trying to create a force that we go golfing with all the time, we're gonna go, Patrick, we're gonna go, all right, who do we think? So we want a certain skill set, we want a certain character type. We want, and we're gonna go, I think that bill and bob would be great fits and we go okay like let's first before we do that let's go to the driving range with them Mm -hmm. and you have a okay let's go and see how we act right and then you go okay let's let's go to the driving range again with them but then let's go have a couple drinks in the clubhouse and then okay let's play a round of golf and after that first round of golf, you go whoa they were really different on the golf course Mm -hmm. let's not do that so that's the hiring process yeah you just Feel it out. You know what you're looking for, and you're going to make mistakes along the way, but you're going to have to take some guesses along the way as as well. Mm -hmm. You're never going to get it perfect, but it's the old adage of higher, slow, fire, fast. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, a couple more. See if we can get these in. A longer question, I'll try to read fast. I manage a gym and pretty much do everything at the gym, open, close, coach every class, clean the gym, et cetera, run the Instagram, send all the emails and updates. It's a lot of work and pretty much entails my entire life. I love it, but I'm not sure if this is uh, what I wanna put this much of my life into the gym. uh, Could not run at the capacity it is if I were to leave. I'm compensated well, but it maybe accounts for about 30% of what we profit. I know I do much more than 30% of the work, for me, it seems if I were to do my own thing, it would not be much more work. Do I keep working hard and building up the gym that my friend owns? Do I break away and start my own gym that I uh, that I would feel more comfortable putting in this much uh, time and effort? Is it healthy to focus on something this much? Do I go back to teaching a lot of questions? Right. Do I get wow. back to teaching where I can just work huh. hard and chase excellence, but not have to constant grind of building something up? So
1: Okay, well, the constant grind trying to build something up, it it sounds a little bit Uh, double-handed because they said that they love it so I don't know what to take with that here's I'll give a very mechanistic step-by-step answer to this not vague at all have a conversation with the business owner and ask them to open up the books Mm -hmm. and let them know what your motives are say I'm considering moving on I love this I love the community I love working here but I feel like I'm doing the same amount of work as if I own my own place I would prefer to stay here. Would you be open to some sort of profit sharing and uh, or and or a um, um, co-owner? Now, mm-hmm. the difference in this, just so the person knows this, is if you're a co-owner, you own um, the business, meaning the goods and the bads with that. Yep. You are liable. You have a lot more risk. If the business needs an investment, you need to put in. hmm if there's a lawsuit or some trouble or the building burns down you're responsible for that that's why the person gets more than 30 percent because they took the risk to start the business they are the ones that did all of the risk you might be doing the work they took the risk and the risk has the reward if you want to buy in to be an owner it would take that it would most likely you don't have to start with that but that just know that that's there might it might they might ask for a buy in now there's upside too cuz you truly truly get a percentage based um payout either on quarterlies or it all goes back into the business and if you sell it you get the end the difference between that and a profit share is profit share you don't need to buy in mm-hmm. and you don't own it ever the risk but you also don't have the upside for Um, structured payouts. By the way, if the payouts are happening as well, that would be in line with the capital investment. Your salary is commensurate to the work you're doing. It's different than being an owner. And what you're saying is I'm getting paid. So let's say you get paid $50,000 for being the gym manager. That's separate. The owner should be getting paid zero, but they should be getting all of the pass through. They should be getting all of the profits. 100%. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want a raise, then you can go and ask for a raise. But what I would do is ask them to either be, I would start by first asking um, for a profit share, Mm -hmm. which is different. A profit share is, hey, I'm doing a lot of the work. I'm thinking about my own business and the owner's probably going to want to do this from a risk mitigation standpoint of, let's just pull you into the fold a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And what they might say is, here's your salary. By the way, I don't get a salary. You do. You Mm -hmm. get this guaranteed income. You're getting this salary. And what we could also do above that is we could do a 5, 10, 15, 20% profit share on top of that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you wanted a 50% profit share, you should buy into the 50% of the value of the business. Now, if the business is worth a million dollars, that takes half a million dollars to get there. How do you value a CrossFit gym? There's lots of different ways. If it's not profitable, it might just be the equipment. If it is profitable, it's probably the profit times about three to seven times Mm. that. If it's a growing, massive growing business, you went from 50 people to 100 people to 200, now you're 250 people all within a few year period, that's a growth business. It may be valued off of revenue. Mm-hmm. It may be three to five times revenue, which is gonna be a much bigger number. So go in with eyes wide open and go in knowing what you're looking for. Are you looking to be a co-owner? Are you looking for a profit share? If you're gonna open up your own place anyway, both those should be valued, really, really attractive o- options for you because mm-hmm. you you don't need, talk about the grit and the grind. Yeah. I understand what you're You're probably not doing the taxes for the business. You're probably not dealing with the lawyers in the um, in terms of the the filing of the corporate minutes that go into it. Every there's probably other things as well that are happening behind the scenes. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you are doing soup to nuts. All
0: right, last question we've got. My ten year old son is a handy field a uh, handy field hockey player. I'm guessing like, handy British Australian something. That I love that. Clearly has to be said with an accent. Uh, and has done well over the last few seasons. This season, due to dwindling numbers, his team is made up of much younger, much less able, and much less interested players. They've they've had three heavy losses and not even looked like scoring a goal this season. His coach is a 12-year-old who doesn't know what he's doing and is assisted by an adult. I've encouraged my son to be a leader and not give up. I'd like to instill a curious competitor mindset, but I'm seeing him struggle and potentially want to give up. What advice might you have?
1: Yeah. It depends on what give up means, I guess. Is it giving up the sport or is it giving up the team? That's a great question. Yeah. Cause if Not it's specified. giving up the sport, then yeah, I agree. Dad, like her mom, whoever, it's, um, keep them focused on the pursuit. Yes. There's going to be bumps in the road. This is a small little thing in terms of your, your whole career. This isn't the way I would talk to the yeah. kid, but just that understanding. If it's in terms of the team, if I was a dad, I would get them out of this team in a, right away mm. i would completely remove this person from this team it sounds like he's pretty handy quote quote and he's on a team that is full of subpar players that has no interest where's the growth can happen learning from a 12 year old that's two years old where has no idea what they're doing you're in my mind you're wasting your time mm-hmm. and if the kid is losing interest that's just further indication that he has more of a Interest and growth-minded approach to wanting to do this, and it, he's already probably more of the on the competitive side of things. I personally would look for other opportunities for mid-season. Mm-hmm. Can we transfer mid-season to get this guy on a on a more competitive team, mm-hmm. and, and or in a more competitive league?
0: Yep, got it. All right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, everybody out there for sending us good questions. If you've got a two-minute drill question you would like us to tackle, find me on Instagram, P.S. Cummings. Drop me a DM. I will add it to our list, and we will get to it as soon as we can. Thank you, everybody out there for listening, for leaving your ratings and your reviews, and Ben and I will be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.